and thank you for joining us here on Doctrinal Studies with Dr. Tab. For those of you who don't know, Dr. M.H. Tab was born into God's family almost 56 years ago by the wonderful grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. He then served as a Christian school principal, Bible Institute teacher, administrator, and assistant pastor. In 1980, God then called Dr. Tab to establish Gulf Coast Baptist Church, where he pastored for 40 years. He continues his service now as the founder of Gulf Coast Bible Institute, preacher, and author of over 46 doctrinal books. Let us now open our Bibles together with Dr. Tab as our guide and rightly divide the word of truth here on Doctrinal Studies with Dr. Tab. Okay, now that's 25 verses about love. Let's see what Greek word is used in each one. Remember, agape is supposed to mean a deep, intimate, selfless love. A phileo is a casual, friendly love. If you got it right, leave as is. If you did not and jotted these down, you got it wrong, put you an X on that one. Now, first section, how did Jesus, uh, how did Jesus use agape and phileo? Reference number one was Luke 11:42, the love of God. What kind of love would God have for us? A deep, intimate, agape love or a casual, friendly, uh, phileo love? If you put an A there, you are correct. Agape is the word in that verse. Number two is John 5:42, the love of God. Again, agape is the answer. Number three was Matthew 10:37, he that loveth father or mother more. Kind of love they uh, should have had uh, for the Lord that they had for their father and mother. Well, well, you probably got that wrong. It's phileo, P, okay? Number four, Revelation 3, 9, to know that I have loved thee. Talking about God's love for the church. That is agape, number four. Number five, uh, the same kind of thing, Revelation 3, 19, it's me as I love. Again, the Lord talking about the church. This time, it's phileo. If you put agape, mark it wrong. Number six, Matthew 23, 6. Uh, talking about love the uppermost rooms, kind of love Pharisees had for uppermost rooms. That is phileo on that one. Number seven is a similar thing. In Luke 11:43. you love the uppermost seats, kind of love the Pharisees had for uppermost seats. That time, it is agape. Two verses meaning exactly the same thing. One is phileo, one is agape. Number eight, John 12, 25, he that loveth his life shall lose it. That one is phileo. Number nine, John 5, 20, the father loveth the son. My, what kind of love should the father have for a son? Well, shock of shocks, it's phileo in this verse. So he has only a fondness for his son? Are you kidding me? Number 10 is John 16, 27. The Father himself loveth you because you have loved me. That is phileo on that one. Both times uh, 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 the same thing. The Father is fond of you because you are fond of me. Is that what he's saying? Number 9 on John 5, 20. We looked at it a minute ago. Phileo. Uh, number 10, uh, phileo. You check out any Greek teacher on, on this, the ones we just two, we just looked at. You still think the two Greek words have different meanings? I mean, can't you see that the Bible uses them interchangeably because they mean the same thing? 
Now, the second group, how did the New Testament writers use agape and phileo? Number 11, 2 Timothy 3, 7, pleasures, love of, lover of pleasures more than lovers of God. What kind of lover of God should people be? Well, guess what? How about phileo love? That's what's in that verse. Number 12, John 11, 5, Jesus loved Martha. How, how did, what kind of love do you have for Well, you probably got that one right. He loved her with an agape love. Number 13, John 20, verse 2, the other disciple whom in Jesus love. All right, he loved Martha with agape. Ah, he loved uh, the apostle John with phileo love. Both of them uh, uh, children of God. In verse, uh, in number 13 here, John 20, verse 2, John is called five times in the book of John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Jesus loved Martha, the woman who was cumbered about with much serving, but of John, the one who laid his head on the Lord's bosom at the Last Supper, the one who went into the judgment hall with him after all the others had run for their lives, the one who gave Jesus, uh, Jesus rather gave his mother to while he was dying on the cross. Of that one, Jesus says, oh, oh, John, yeah, he's all right. I kind of, I'm kind of fond of him. Number 14, 1 Corinthians 16, 22. If any man love not the Lord, what kind of love should we have for the Lord? Well, according to that verse, phileo. Um, if phileo is all that's required for loving the Lord, and that's what that verse says, why was the Lord upset with Peter in John 21? Peter met the standard. If there's a difference in meaning of the two words, then according to 1 Corinthians 6:22, all we're expected to have toward the Lord is phileo, a friendly fondness type of love. So why was he upset at Peter? Number 15, 1 Corinthians 16, 24. My love be with you all. What kind of love did Paul have for the carnal, backslidden Corinthian believers? Would you believe agape? Now notice two verses earlier, the one we looked at a minute ago, 1 Corinthians 16, 22, compared here to verse 24. Uh, in 16, 22, Paul used phileo toward God and love toward God. And now he's using agape, love toward carnal Christians in the Corinthian church. Did Paul love those backslidden Corinthians more than he loved God? He says, you only have to have phileo love for God, according to these definitions. But I've got more than that for you. I have agape love for you. Number 16, Romans 5, 8. But God commendeth his love. Oh, what kind of love? And would God be commending to people by having his only begotten son die for them on Calvary? Well, it's agape. Number 17, 2 Timothy 1, 7, talking about of power and of love. What kind of spirit of love did God give us? It's agape. Uh, Peter got the phileo spirit. Everybody else gets the agape spirit. Number 18, Romans 12, 10. Uh, we're to love one another or one to another with brotherly love. Oh, phileo for brotherly love. Number 19, similar verse, 1 Thessalonians 3, 12, 12 abound in, in love toward each other. Mm, this time we got agape love. Phileo in, in uh, Romans 12, 10, agape in 1 Thessalonians 3, 12. Okay, if they mean different things, then which one should it be? Should you have a friendly love toward other Christians or a uh, selfless God-type love toward them. Number 20, again the same problem. 1 Peter 2.17, love the brotherhood. It's agape there. Number 21, Hebrews 13.1, let brotherly love continue. It's phileo there. 
So again, the words are used interchangeably between uh, uh, 1 Peter 2.17 and Hebrews 13.1, just like they are between Romans 12.10 and 1 Thessalonians 3.12. Mean the same thing. Number 22, Titus 2.4, to be sober, to love their husbands. What kind of love should a wife have for her husband? Well, guess what? How about phileo? This fond, fond friendly type. Um, now, wasn't Peter part of the bride of Christ? Then this verse says the bride only, to ha only has to have phileo love toward her husband, uh, so the church toward its bridegroom, a phileo love. Then why did the Lord get upset at Peter in John 21? He met the qualification as we discussed uh, when we looked at number 14 recently, 1 uh, Corinthians 16, 22. He had that fondness type of love for his bridegroom. Number 23. Ephesians 5.28, so men ought to love their wives. Well, if women are to love their husbands with filial love, how are men to love their wives? How about agape? Women only have to have a handshake instead of a love kiss for their husbands. But the husband, well, he's got to be serious about it. Number 24, 1 John 2.5, barely the love of God perfected. What kind of love does God give us? It's agape in that verse. Titus 3, 4, the love of God our Savior. What kind of love does God have for us? It's phileo in that verse. 1 John 2, 5, Titus 3, 4. One uses phileo, one uses agape. Talking about the same thing. Now, that's the end of the test grading. So, how'd you do? How many times you bomb it by going by the definitions? Going by the rule? See how you like this one, John 3.16, probably the most known verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave, now listen, so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, loved it enough to let his son die for it, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You want to take a guess as to what kind of love the father so loved the world with that he let his son die for it? You probably got it right. It was agape. But the companion passage Titus 3, verses 4 to 6. Listen to this. It's telling you the same thing. But after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed abundantly, uh, shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. There again, it's about God's great love toward man, just as it is in John 3.16. But here, in Titus 3.4, God uses the word phileo. Two different words, same meaning. I mean, how often did we do that in English? Use two different words, or several different words, meaning the same thing. All right, we've seen the apostles, Peter, John, and Paul, totally ignore the rule, and Jesus Christ himself ignored it. Now, I don't care what uh, Greek professors and lexicons and grammars and dictionaries and all that stuff say. What is our real, final authority? Remember, the Greek teacher's rule is agape is a deep, intimate, selfless love. Phileo is a casual, friendly love. That is not true according to our Bible. If you took the test on the assumption it is true, as all modern Greek professors teach, then you had several wrong answers. Now tell me what this is, 1 Thessalonians 4 9. But it's touching brotherly love. You need not that I write unto you, for you yourselves are taught of God to love one another. Two loves in the same verse, talking about the same thing. Brotherly love and loving one another. Love, love. Are they agape or are they phileo? Well, look at this. First time it's phileo, second time it's agape. 
Very plainly, Paul is talking about the same type of love, but he used two different Greek words in the same verse at the same time. Okay, Paul says they mean the same thing. What does Peter, the one the Lord dealt with concerning these two words, say about them? 1 Peter 1.22 Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. Again, love is used two times in that verse. The first time, it's phileo. The second time, it's agape. So there, the Holy Spirit's using both words to describe the same kind of love, love for the brethren. Uh, you know why he used two different words because there's no difference of definition between agape and phileo that's why who are you going to believe God or your Greek teacher now here's the problem that confuses Christians concerning the Greek if there's no difference between the two words then why did Jesus use two different words in the same conversation agape and phileo when he meant the very same thing with both words well try this Greek confusion on for size. Matthew 16 verses 9 and 10. Do you not believe, uh, I'm sorry, do you not understand, neither remember the five loaves uh, of the 5,000 and how many baskets you took up, neither the seven loaves of the 4,000 and how many baskets you took up? Well, lo and behold, the two baskets in those two verses are translation uh, from two entirely different Greek words. The word in verse 9 is uh, kafasnus. Uh, I'm sorry, kafanus. And but in verse 10 is spiritus. Strangely enough, Dr. Schofield recognizes in this passage that two different Greek words can mean the same thing. His marginal note on verse 10 says, quote, a different Greek word from the uh, from that translated baskets in verse 9, end of quote. So, again, why two different Greek words to say the same thing? Well, that's simple. Now, this, this is going to be kind of sarcastic, but listen to it. Kafinos, these are deep, intimate, selfless baskets. Paridas are casual, friendly baskets. How about the reason God used two different words was because, are you ready for this? He used two different words because he wanted to. He's God. He can write his book any way he wants to. Just like we do use different words in everyday conversation. <clears throat> like I did one time when a Bible Institute student called me. <clears throat> and in the conversation, I said, I used the word incognito. He immediately responded with, yeah, concealed. Okay, two different English words, cognito, conceal. They mean the same thing in context. Cognito, according to the dictionary, means having one's true identity concealed. Conceal in the dictionary means kept secret, hidden. You see that? Same conversation. Two different words mean the same thing. Now, where did this false teaching on John 21 start? It came from the philosophy that if you study Greek, you'll find nuggets not found in a translation. Could I say, why, why hunt for nuggets in the Greek when you have the whole gold mine in English in the King James Bible? Greek study is not Bible study. 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show thyself approved unto God. What do you think he wants you to study? He wants you to study his word in your language. That's what I did. It's, it's a sin to study Greek. So it's a, in fact, it's a fun thing sometimes to do word studies. I dealt with this uh, elsewhere. But, but you don't correct your book. With, what you, with those so-called nuggets, because they're not really there. There are no nuggets. You cannot find uh, things that would improve on a King James Bible in a Greek text. 
You cannot make round, rounder. You cannot make straight, straighter. You cannot make flat, flatter. You can't improve on or enhance a perfect book. And either we have the completed Word of God, the perfect Word of God, or we don't. Either God kept His promise in, for example, Psalm 12, 6, and 7, or He didn't. Either let God be true, Romans 3, 4, or don't believe Him. That's your choice. Excuse me. Now, if a Greek grammar gives a rule and the Bible violates the rule, which one is wrong? The King James Bible violates all types of English grammar rules. Uh, uh, That's thoroughly discussed in chapter 4 of my book, The Inspiration and Preservation of Scripture, giving example after example. So, is the Word of God wrong? Or are the grammar books wrong? Take your choice. If a commentary says one thing, the Bible says the opposite. Which one is right? None of the Bible writers acknowledged any difference whatsoever between agape and phileo. You see, the real question is, what is your final authority? A person's final authority is the most profound element in his life. It determines the direction of his life. Everything about him flows from his final authority, his morals, his behavior, his decisions, his very reason for living. Most Christians will throw out the Bible for a Greek lexicon or a commentary if it says something different than what uh, you're reading in your Bible. For example, Strong's Exhaustive Concordance is the industry standard, so to speak. James Strong was on the ASV Committee, American Standard Version, 1901 Committee, uh, which is his uh, fake Bible. He denied the inspiration of Scripture. Uh, Vine's Expository Dictionary of New Testament Words and other Greek dictionaries use pagan definitions for their Greek words, uh, as did uh, Strong. For example, a man told me one time that Luke 16, about the rich man Lazarus was a parable, not a true story. No, it wasn't a parable. It's not a parable. It is a true story. And he said it's a parable because he said he had a book that said it was. Well, that's like saying I believe everything I I read or hear on the internet. Now, what about our question? Would Jesus say ain't? What do you think? The correct answer is, I don't know. But if he did... He would be right, and it would be good grammar coming out of his mouth. And if you had an English grammar book that said ain't is bad English and it's wrong to use it, and you showed that dictionary to Jesus Christ and he read it and said, well, ain't that something, which one would be wrong, Jesus or the dictionary? Out with the grammar book, Jesus is God. He's always right, no matter what rules we say. So there's no difference between agape and phileo no matter who says there is. There's nothing you can find in the Greek that you can't find in the English. If you look up a Greek word's definition, you'll find the same definition for the English word it was translated into in the King James Bible. So the Greek agape phileo nugget does not exist. In both Greek and English, Jesus said unto Peter the third time, that's the words used. John 21, 17. In Greek, in English, he said to him the third time. In other words, two different words meant exactly the same thing because he was saying to him the same thing for the third time. The same thing to both Jesus and Peter. Jesus told Peter the same thing three different times using two different words. As to whether a translation can be inspired or not, which a lot of people have trouble with over the King James, call it second inspiration, all a bunch of baloney there. Uh, Check this out, Luke 4, verses 17 to 21. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place written, 
where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and gave it again to the minister, and sat down. And the eyes of them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Now, verses 18 and 19 that passage are translated from Hebrew to Greek. Verse 21 is translated from Aramaic to Greek. But it's all scripture. That's what it's called in the passage, according to verse 21. Then it's all translated into English. Or what about these two examples about the daughter of Jairus? Uh, Mark 5:41, and he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talithakumi, which is being interpreted, that is translated, damsel, I send thee arise. Luke 8:54, and he put them all out and took her by the hand, saying, Maid, arise. Uh, the verse in Mark is untranslated Aramaic, and then it's interpreted or translated in Greek. The verse in Luke is a literal translation into Greek. Both passages were then translated into English. Now, in closing, we might add that the italicized words in the Bible, the King James Bible, along there, they're quoted many times in the New Testament from uh, italicized words in the Old Testament. For example, when Jesus quoted Deuteronomy 8, verse 3, and Matthew 4, verse 4, he quoted an italicized word. I first taught this subject in the 1980s, just as I'm teaching it now, with the exact same 25-verse quiz. Nothing has changed since then.